Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. This is James Loving, your host for Loving That Sports Talk. Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk. Man, Cole, I'm here, James. Well, not a great week, but guess what? This week will be start of football, Chris. Oh, I'm so excited! I I, I actually was on last night, picked my fantasy football team, and I, I got a good team. I, I'm I got to tell you, I got a good team. I I have a feeling I'm going to win this year. Oh yeah, who you got? Well, of course, I got the number one pick, so I got Antonio Brown. So you know, right there, that's really good for my offense. And then I got uh, AP Adrian Peterson, uh, quarterback. I have uh, Cam Newton on my bench. I went ahead and got Carson <laughs> Palmer on my bench. Um, and then I have uh, just—I I think I have a really well-rounded team. Um, well, so um, well, one of your friends is going to be really happy. I picked up the LA Rams. They have a good defense. Don't knock them. They got a good defense. They always have. Yeah, you can tell them that. I've always, I've always admired their defense. Now there is better defenses out there, but but L.A. Rams does have a good defense. Yeah, it was a good night. You know, we show up the defense. Mhm. Well, let's get started. We won. Game time tomorrow. We had Denver versus Carolina. Everybody keeps talking about the Super Bowl rematch and some different Denver quarterback, you know, problems. And we look at me last year because um, Denver didn't win it by the quarterback. It was their defense, so total defense it didn't make no difference. What do you think? Well, and that, that's kind of what they're saying again this year because uh, they're saying that it's, it's it's a rematch of the of the top two defenses again. Um, and and now the difference in this year is. Uh, so so they have uh, well part of their defense is gone you know as far as the Carolina defense but they have Kelvin Benjamin you know he's he he was out all last year he's back um, and he's he's an incredible <laughs> receiver of course Cam Newton you just don't know what he's going to do out there but then again you don't know we really haven't seen Trevor Simeon and we've seen him in the pre, in the in the the preseason games but. You know that that's also he hasn't really played with the the number one offense. So this will be interesting to see what plays that he does. He's got to be better than what Peyton Manning did last year. Well, they always say second time around. This time means second time. I think they said it was better than what he did last year. What do you think? I mean, uh, oh, well, he'll he'll, he'll he'll have he'll have some differences out there. You know, he'll definitely make some differences. I I I personally think it's. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people are saying it's not going to be a high-scoring game, but I think it'll be it'll be enough. It'll be it'll, it'll there's going to be some points on the on the on the scoreboard. More like you thinking in the distance, but you know, I look at it this way: um, it don't take too long for people to catch on to your defense. So, and I don't think they're going to play as people think they played as well last year. You know, uh, people just. and then they end up beating you. You know, and uh, like you said, they lost a couple of players, Denver. 
So I don't know. I think it's gonna be a high scoring game. I don't think Denver's gonna score. You know, quarterback. You know, I think the score might be like thirty five or you know fourteen. You think that's the final score, thirty five fourteen? Carolina, yeah. Carolina, wow. I I I I think it'll be a lot closer than that. And and I I I I'm I'm predicting it's going to be somewhere somewhere we're about twenty four to twenty or something like that. I I don't think it's going to be as far far different as as what you're thinking it is. Yeah. So Wayman, like I'm glad Wayman, you're on. Yeah. So so you you can decide on on my behalf. What would what, tomorrow night's game against Carolina in Denver? What do you think the final score is going to be? Um. I'm looking at maybe 23-10 Carolina. Ah. Okay, James, you can talk to him. Well, before we go on, I'll let my guest know you're back on. Glad to have you back on, Wayman. I know you took time off the color, but you won't let all the listeners know. I know you bragged about it last week when I talked to you. Go ahead, Wayman. You know, the last time that I spoke to you all, I remember stating very clearly that there was no way Sanchez was going to be the quarterback of the Broncos, that he was too turnover-prone, and that even though Simeon was an unknown, he would be the starter. So I think I should be, you know, maybe called the professor or something on the show every now and again. Um, Because that definitely came to fruition. (laughs) Well, before you uh, came, we were talking about, and I was trying to explain to Chris that uh, it would be a lot different. I think everybody thinks of Denver defense, you know. And Denver didn't win it last year with their quarterback, you know. Peyton Manning didn't do enough, so and I think this year they're going to need a quarterback to score points. What do you think? Um, I think Denver, you know, and, and that's really the reasoning or rationale behind why I thought Sanchez was not a good fit for the Broncos is because I think the Broncos are going to have to play this season pretty close to the vest and don't have very much room for error. Even in some of those games that Peyton played in, they didn't really have much room for error uh, uh, down the stretch. So um, once again, I think they're going to try to play ball control, not ask the quarterback to do very much, uh, run the ball, but that's going to keep the score close. I don't think they are going to blow any teams out. Um, and, And I think that you know, no, I don't think that, that they're going to ask for too much more from essentially a rookie quarterback. Um, I think they're pretty much just going to try to run the ball if they can, do ball control and, and, and throw short passes and play action passes. But um, this year, no, I think maybe as they go forward with Paxton Lynch and or even Simeon immerse more in that offense, um, that maybe they open it up a little bit more. But I, I don't see the Broncos you know, scoring 30 points a game or, or even the upper 20s. Uh, I, I think they, they do what they did last year and, and try to sit behind that defense. I hear Carolina winning 35 or 14. Yes, I'm about right. Wow. Uh, I, I, I was saying 24-20. You know, <laughs> you know I, I, I think, um, you know, this year I think it's going to be a lot different. I think the Broncos lost some, some key components to that defense, and I also think without having a proven leader on that offense, um, I think that as a defense kind of forces you into maybe a few more mistakes where you feel like if you don't win the game on defense, you don't win the game, and I think having that mentality 
may lead to a few more mistakes on that defense, but obviously it's a top-five defense still until I see anything different. And, um, you know, I, I just don't see the Broncos scoring very many points, and I don't see very few teams scoring points against them. Well, Wayman, Chris got some questions, but before she asks some questions, I got a couple for you guys. Uh, we have Sam Bracker going to uh, Minnesota because um, what's the call got hurt. Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. And then we, yeah. and then we got um, Chetcher going to Cowboys. Those two bum quarterbacks, but they might <laughs> end up starting. What do you see in the future for both on each state? For the Vikings first. Um, the Vikings, I don't. I don't, you know, and it's hard because Bradford has been been snake bitten, but it's hard for me to feel sorry for someone who's who's made more money in the NFL than he's thrown touchdown passes, um, and continues to get traded to to teams that are contending or at least has an opportunity uh, to do well. So he, you know, he went from the Rams to Philadelphia, had an opportunity there, didn't do much with it, and somehow gets rescued and, and goes to Minnesota. Uh, in that division, I just don't see Bradford doing very much. I mean, I, I think he does allow for that team to maybe right the ship on some levels, but once again, I think he's a quarterback in the same vein as Sanchez where very turnover-prone, um, not someone that evokes fear in anyone when it's the fourth quarter and, and he has the ball. You're probably expecting more of a an interception than you are uh, a touchdown. And Sanchez the same way. I mean, he's just a, a placeholder, someone that is there to kind of maintain until either Dak Prescott develops or um, Romo comes back from injury. Hmm. So, I, so I have a couple questions based, based on, on, on this. So the first thing is, do you think these were smart choices for each team? to go out and get Sanchez and uh, Bradford? Um, Sanchez, yes. Because Sanchez, you know, in, in, a, in a small window, and of course I'm not talking about Sanchez playing an entire season, you know, Sanchez and spot duty uh, can sling the ball sometimes. He, he showed it as a backup in Philadelphia. I mean, he is going to make some mistakes. He is going to turn the ball over. But Sanchez can also drive your team. And so for a game or two here, Dax or Prescott is not performing, and you need to start um, Sanchez to maybe get you a game or two. I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, the complete uh, the situation is completely different in Minnesota, where not only did you go out and um, pay Bradford money, but you gave up draft picks, a first round this next year, and a fourth round after that. You also create quarterback controversy. So. I mean, I can understand on the, on, on the perspective of Minnesota where you want to make sure that there's someone there for this season and maybe going forward, depending on the severity of Bridgewater's injury. But if Bridgewater comes back healthy, then what do you do for, with Bradford and why do you have him on your team? Um, and so I, I think you, you caused undue controversy. I think you gave up entirely way too much to get him. Um, and, and I don't think the return is going to be very much. I mean, if Minnesota had a Super Bowl team this year and you need to go out and get a quarterback that keeps you on that same level, then sure. Break the bank, go for it, uh, make sure you get a quarterback that's going to keep you at that level. Bradford is not going to do that. So, you know, you're looking at maybe a 10-win team, 10 win team with Bridgewater, and now you're looking at maybe anywhere from six to eight wins, in my opinion, with them. 
and, and maybe less depending on how he performs, it, it, it just doesn't make sense to give up the first-round draft pick um, yeah, well, or something I there. I agree with you. I agree with you because why would you go get Bradford? And to me, when the quarterback's sitting and whining about cause, cause who they drafted, you know, and then he don't want to play. I mean, if he gave up, you know, and that's the loser. Well, he, he did, and he, you know, like I said, it's ego-driven, and, and so he gets an opportunity to play. Um, I think they're going to get the best Bradford, maybe not this week, and, and maybe it takes him a couple of weeks to transition to that system, but he realizes that this is his last opportunity to be a starter in the NFL as well. So um, if he performs well this year and, and, and exceeds expectations, like I said, Minnesota then still has – quarterback controversy, which is, you know, been proven that that's not what you want on any roster. Um, I think that just leads to dissension on teams one way or another. It, 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 it's the reason why Bradford is now in Minnesota, because they went out, they drafted a young quarterback, and Bradford was upset. Bridgewater comes back next year, Bradford's healthy and maybe has a good year. Well, who do you start next year? Um, I, I think it just hurts in the long run and even maybe in the short term more than it, more than it potentially can help. There's no controversy, Wayman. When he comes back, Bridgewater, he's ready to play. What is that controversy? Bradford is not the guy going to think that he had a good season. I mean, he, you know what I'm saying? So, I don't true, see true, true. But, but, but you got him on a two-year deal, and why would you bench Bradford if he has a great year and has proven to, you know, maybe he does more with that offense than Bridgewater did. Um, you know, because Bridgewater was kind of safe last year, too. I mean, I think he had a pretty good season, but... And Bradford takes that offense to another level and takes it to a level that Bridgewater hasn't yet up to this point. Do so you continue with someone that pretty much is still unproven and, and I'm not going to, no fault to Bridgewater, but injury prone, as opposed to Bradford who looks like now you, you got him maybe on a cheaper deal and can run your offense. I don't know. But I, I think it potentially could lead to a quarterback controversy. Where, where, the, where the Cowboys got Sanchez... For nothing, for essentially nothing. I mean, they picked them up off the waiver wire, so it's, it, it doesn't hurt the Cowboys at all. It's a win-win situation. If he turns out to be a bomb that everyone thinks he is and they thought he was in Denver, you go out and get the next quarterback. Yeah, but look at Wayne. Look at all the quarterbacks. That, what, what's his name, Chris, that backed up Tom Brady that gave you a winner? Matt Castle. You keep asking that, I guess. Castle, <laughs> People pay all this money. They come out to be a bum. They put in their whole hope and oh, he had that good year, so we're gonna. And then it happens that they don't do. And you know, just because you know, Bradford Gordon have a good year. Yeah, he gonna have a good year because he's not expecting nothing of him because you know, Bridgewater is a mess. So what if he do good is good. What if he do bad, yeah. he's like, oh, that because he's you know. So it's always gonna That's look right. like he had a good year. Well, I mean, he like I said, this is Bradford. Bradford's last opportunity to make, and I'm not talking about he's going to wash out of the league, but it's his last opportunity you imagine to be a starter in the NFL. He wasn't probably even going to be a starter for Philadelphia. Otherwise, they wouldn't have traded him. Um, You know, he was just going to hold the clipboard for Wentz until Wentz was ready. So this is it for Bradford, Um, just like it's it for RG3 and all these other quarterbacks, and it's either going to be a make-or-break year. And he can resurrect his career and, and be a proven or at least once a, a proven commodity, um, and, and that creates controversy. Um, I guess as, as far as a coach is concerned, it's a good controversy to have where you, where you have options, but 
for a team, <clears throat> at least in my opinion, it's never worked out very well. So, so Wayman, the question, other question I have for you, because both Sanchez and Bradford were both, both veteran quarterbacks, how long does it take for a veteran quarterback to step into a new team and learn their system and be ready, you know, to to play if the need arises? Well, and, and they say that that's why Minnesota went out and got Bradford is he was uh, familiar with uh, the system. So, you know, initially that's why they got him. Um, he was going to come right in and be able to run that system. And, and, and obviously that must not have been the case, or at least he must not have had the grasp they thought, because now you're hearing that Sean Hill may start this first week, even though I've heard reports that now they're back to Bradford um, starting that first week. So for me it's all about, well, one system, um, and I think that's very important if, if you're used to the, the verbiage and, and, and the different nuances that go along with with each individual system is very important, and, and picking that up takes a while. One, two, um, though, and I, I don't think you can replicate this right off the bat, is just having that connection with your running backs, having that connection with the other offensive players on your team. Every running back wants the ball tucked into their belly a different way. The receivers uh, get used to the certain spin that particular quarterbacks have on, the, on a certain ball, whether that be because you're left-handed or right-handed, how the ball comes out of your hand and they track it, all of those things are important. And they're not things that you study. They're not things that you even think about as an outside observer. But in playing football, there's definitely, in, in terms of velocity, um, where you have your hands or where you, you know, if somebody like a Brett Favre is throwing you the ball, you got to get your hands up quick as a receiver or you're going to get your fingers broken like a lot of his receivers did. Um, other people that don't have that same velocity, like Peyton Manning, say, last year, um, you, you have your hands in different positions. So I don't think it's a very easy thing to transition from one system to the next in the NFL. Right. You know what? We got to take a break. When we come back, we'll have more questions for you, Wayne, and then, um, well, you know, we got to talk about the um, Eagles, too, you know. that you think the record's going to be over there with? The who? Dallas. The Eagles, you think it'll be over there with? Eagles aren't even, Dallas. I think Eagles are a college team. That's a college team, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we got to take a break on that. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. 
Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is Tango, your host of Loving That Sports Talk. I'm here, James. And we got our guest, Wayne, that pissed me off right before we the break. You see that, Wayne? <laughs> I'm just going to, now, don't be mad at me. I'm just going to tell you what Vegas said. So when, uh, when Bradford was the quarterback, the Eagles had a 40-to-1 chance of winning the Super Bowl. The Eagles are now at 100-to-1. So that means you and I have the same chance as the Eagles of winning the Super Bowl this year, love. <laughs> Well, Ray, I know Chris, I want to jump in. I got a question for you. You played DB, and uh, my question to you is, I hear a lot of people talking about the advantages to the receivers now in the NFL because all the rule changes and all that. And it's a DB like um, the guy from um, Yes Now. Uh, what's his name, Chris? Revis. Revis and the other guy who went to Washington. You know, what they do, they become so good. Right here... Their defense strategy that they in makes them as as they are. Like you know, um, when we were with Carolina, they was in like a zone and they was in rush and all. But what do you think the difference is between a DB now, as you see them play and covering the receivers, they're harder for their women, or are these guys just exceptionally good? Or just you know, what do you think? I think that offenses are definitely more complicated now. Uh, they're designed to spread you out a lot more than, than when you and I played. Um, the receivers have gotten bigger, faster, stronger. Um, you know, when I played DB, I love playing against taller receivers um, because they really didn't usually have much bulk to them, you know. So if I played somebody that was 6'2 or 6'3, you know, they might be 195 pounds, maybe 200 pounds, but um, it, it made it really easy if you were able to get your hands on them to manipulate them and force the receiver to go where you want to go. But you look at receivers now like Megatron and Julio Jones. I mean, um, even Demarius Thomas for Denver. If, if they get on one-on-one coverage with the defensive back and even catch a short pass, you pretty much have no chance of bringing them down one-on-one a lot of times, depending on the size of the DB. And so, um, you know, the the... the the NFL definitely wanted it to be a game where points were scored, so they loosened up the rules. You can't touch receivers. You can't touch receivers after a certain amount of yards. You can't hit receivers up high, um, which I, I can understand for injury purposes, but when I played, if someone came across the middle, um, you laid them on their back, and you hoped that that sent a message to both them and their quarterback that if they came back in that zone, um, it was going to be painful, and you can't do that anymore. Um, so receivers don't really have the fear that a Ronnie Lott, that a Steve Atwater, that some of the great safeties of yesteryear put in them. Um, you can still lay a good lick on a guy, but you can't lay the same type of lick. You can't get your hands on them. So it, it really has freed up um, the receivers, and, and it really has done what the NFL intended it to do, 
which is a more wide open game, more free flowing game, and rarely will you find those teams that can that can limit an offense to you know under ten points a game. There's going to be points scored in the NFL. Go ahead, Chris. Unless you're the I would unless tell you, Eagles. I would, go ahead, Chris. I would tell you what I thought, Lena. <laughs> so, Wayman, okay. Before we took a break, you you kind of mentioned this, so I'm I want to ask your opinion to see what you think. So, but Mike Zimmer, the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. He hasn't named his starting quarterback, you know, and how difficult is this for Sean Hill and Sam Bradford, who are the quarterbacks, and the team to prepare for the upcoming game against the Tennessee Titans? You know what, I think he's doing it, um, and and I read uh, the Titans coaches' uh, comments, and they're preparing as if Bradford is a starter, but um, I think, honestly, when coaches do that, the team knows. The team knows who the starter is going to be, and I think Radford or Sean Hill probably has been told at this point who the starter is going to be. So I don't think for them it's going to be much of a distraction. I think he's using that as long as he can to provide some some advantage or disadvantage to the Tennessee Titans. I, I, I think the team is fully aware of who actually is going to be starting um, this week when they play the Titans. Okay. If they don't, then then he's not a very smart coach. I mean, because you're right, and the point that I think uh, you are making is that it would not inspire confidence in either one of those guys if the team didn't already know who was the quarterback going forward. And so, in taking that role, and obviously it's all speculation, I'm imagining that they do know. Okay. Well, you know what? I'd like to go ahead and talk a little bit about some of the rookie quarterbacks. You know, and your opinion about about them for some of the upcoming game and the season. So, first, what I want to talk about is Carson Wentz. So, James, you can go ahead and turn your phone off for a little bit. I just want to hear what Wayman has to say. (laughs) So, Carson Wentz, he'll be he's the upcoming quarterback for the Eagles. You know, he's been he's been nominated as a starting quarterback. You know, how do you see him performing? You know, and recall he had a rib injury on August 11th and hasn't played much in the preseason. Oh, we were going 11 and 5. Oh, you had Wayman. Oh, oh. <laughs> Go ahead, Wayman. Hello? Yeah, Wayman? Oh, we might have lost him. Uh-oh. Okay, well, okay. Let me ask you, James, until he comes back. How do you think he's going to be with the Eagles? Uh, he's a young guy. You know, he's going to make mistakes. They had that great team, young team, they rebuilding. But, you know, the depends on, you know, the division. You know, you got Dallas that's you know, looking for a quarterback, so that might be a win. Giants are rebounding with a new quarter, new coach. So, you know, Giants are iffy. You know, they got the two little cheaters back. You know, they got Gates uh, with the Cruz, and, you know, they already got the uh, Beckham Jr. You know, it depends on, you know, what that division looks like. You know, City could. You know, still come to win it. You know, luck out. You know, that division is so shaky. But when you got mm-hmm. a young team like that in the NFL, it's hard to win. Because, right. You know, right. as they say, you know, young guys, you know, they say like in the playoffs, like New England and Dallas, you know, Dallas, but Denver. If you've been there, you know, you know. I mean, young guys ain't never been in the like fourth quarter where, you know, you got to hold on to the game and keep the game and win it. They lose it, you know. So, you know, it's hard to say this year, you know. You're going to have the same team winning Green Bay, Carolina. You know, those same team because they've been there and they're all the players. So, right. I don't know. I see the Eagles 8 and 8. 
All right. Well, I'm going to remind you halfway through the season. See what see what you think at that point. So. <laughs> you know, you know. B- b- before while we wait for Wayman, I actually want to talk to you a little bit about you know. Oh, hey, Wayman, how are you? Hey, I'm sorry about that. I got cut off somehow. Hey, Wayman, it's okay. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to say that. But I would tell yeah, you. Yeah, it, it probably isn't a coincidence that I was talking about Wentz and uh, my phone went dead. But uh, <laughs> click. Hey, yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I, I think Carson Wentz uh, over time will be a decent quarterback in the league, and I think the Eagles are actually, when all is said and done, I think they've taken the right approach. You know what? You're in a rebuilding mode. You're you're still getting rid of a lot of <clears throat> um, the players acquired under Chip Kelly, and you know you're not going to the Super Bowl. Why not go ahead and start that quarterback just like the Vikings started Teddy Bridgewater, uh, the Redskins started RG3, and, and obviously there are mixed results there after that first year, but I think if you're going to spend that type of money, if this is going to be the future of your team, you might as well get them out there. Let me, let me jump in now. Let me quick ask you guys this. And, uh, if you chip Kelly, the way you did that Eagles team tore it up and tore that organization up and play, how do you go and get a job right away? You know, and you had Levy Smith out there to the coach and all this. How do you go from that, a horrible coach, you know, and then get another job. Can you guys help me with that? <laughs> um, Wayman, I will let you answer this one. Well, I, and, and the jury's still out. I mean, what is it, two out of the three years, Chip Kelly had very productive seasons in Philadelphia. He took, you know, people like Nick Foles and, and turned them into Pro Bowl um, quarterbacks. Even, even Michael Vick for a limited amount of time, had a resurgence there um, in Philadelphia running, running that system. So um, the jury is still out on Chip Kelly, and, of course, after he left, he said that it was not him making the personnel decisions, and, and so there was a few there that we weren't aware of with the GM. Now, we don't know if that's true or not, and, and, and I guess um, this year will be a good test to see how good or not Chip Kelly is as a coach. The second thing I want to say, though, I've always wanted to be a head coach or I always wanted to be a coach either at the collegiate or NFL level because there's no other profession when you can do as horribly as some of these other coaches do and still wind up with a job. Um, they recycle coaches. It's like they can't go out of, out of their little box to find something innovative. Now, of course, Chip Kelly, when he was when he got a job in the NFL, he, he was something out of the box, but rarely will you find coaches that haven't already coached um, somewhere or, or done something else. College coaches, you go from a head coach, you have a horrible season, um, you wind up getting fired and being somebody else's defensive or offensive coordinator, and a few years later you wind up as a head coach again. So um, I think that's why, because they just go in, in cycles in the NFL, and, and you might get fired somewhere else, but... You'll be a coach somewhere else in a few years. Let me, let me say two things, and then I'll let you ask a question, Chris. One, I know you watch Long Notice. What motherfucking jury is they got out this deal? That jury, I know they said he's horrible. So I don't know what, I don't know what you watch. The one I watch, they say he's horrible. The jury came well, back and said he's guilty. You know, so. two out of three years, he, he had a good season, 
in Philadelphia. You look at John Gruden. Everybody wants John Gruden to come back and coach their team. Every year, John Gruden, John Gruden, John Gruden. Well, John Gruden was horrible his last couple of seasons in Tampa Bay, and he got fired and ran out of the NFL. And now, all of a sudden, John Gruden is the hot thing. Well, what made him hot again? The fact that he is is a broadcaster? The, the, the fact that he still is allowed to groom and, and, and interact with up-and-coming quarterbacks and, and, and a little segment he has on ESPN. Yeah. I mean, the NFL and, and professional sports more than any other, we'll say, business out there just recycles its coaches. And Chip Kelly, you know, had a pretty good track record before that last season with the Eagles. But, you know, it's the Eagles. But, but, what are you going to do? But, but how can you say you're a good coach when you inherit a team? We inherit a team from Tony Dungy. That team was already there. They fired Dungy, and he had that team. It's the same thing with Steve Kerr. When Mark Jackson had to go and say, well, he had that team. All it takes is one. You know what I'm saying? So you can't make him a great coach. But but he, he still did well that second season. He took Nick Foles, who was sitting on, you know, a, a bench um, under Reed, and, and, and turned him into a Pro Bowl quarterback. So maybe that had more to do with the fact that, that, it was, he, that it was a new system under Chip Kelly, and people weren't ready for it. And then once people caught up to a system, he no longer was a good coach. I'm not really sure what it was. But, you know, he, he, he had some good seasons there, and, and if he hadn't, they would have fired him a long time ago. Um, yeah. But, Nick Foles, you know, the, Nick Foles was traded, and he played a game <laughs> Where is he at now? What, so, so what does that mean, then, that he threw all those touchdowns when he played for the Eagles? So... Was, was it Chip Kelly that made him? Was it was it Chip Kelly that made him a great quarterback, or did he just have a lucky year? And did they both get lucky together? I mean, it's hard to say. Um, so, so while while we're staying heated here for a little bit, uh, Wayman, <laughs> I want you to know that James has already predicted the Eagles are going to go eight and eight this season. What do you think? Um. Eight, eight, what? Eight, eight ties and eight losses. Like I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, there's no way the Eagles win eight games this year. Um, probably more between two and four. And uh, with the first round draft pick that the Vikings gave up, uh, at least they'll have two draft picks within the top probably fifteen, twenty picks next year. So, uh, looking forward, the Eagles definitely have an opportunity to really improve that team, but there's no way they win eight games in anybody's division this year. You talking to Gary, you say lunch? I'm hearing a bet coming on. Yeah. You know, we we can bet whatever this man wants, and he better not have, um, you know, enough confidence to make it because there is no way uh, that the Eagles... No way. You say that's a bet. Oh, yeah, you say that's a bet, lunch. No, well, that's a bet. There we go. Because I mean, if, if you if you get a bet like that, you got to go ahead and take it. Does, does that mean I, I'm included on this lunch, and, and and winner gets to buy my lunch no matter what? You know what? That that actually sounds like a good idea too. So we can nice. both eat on love. We can both eat on love. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna go home and strike all into this piece like an eagle. <laughs> strike. And uh, yeah, you might have to. In in 2013. You know, Foles had 27 touchdowns and, and two interceptions. Um, okay. For, for the best TD interception ratio on the in NFL history. So, I mean, I'm just saying that, you know, and, and then I could also make the argument that in 2014, Foles wasn't as good, but Chip Kelly 
cut Deshaun Jackson, and he cut Jeremy Macklin. So here you go from leading the NFL in, in, in um, quarterback rating, two interceptions the entire year, and he cuts your two best receivers. So maybe Chip Kelly and Foles needed, needed one another, and Foles needed his receivers, and once Chip Kelly cut him, it was, it was the beginning of the end, which I actually think there is some, some rationale to that. Um, I, I don't think those were very good administrative decisions by Chip Kelly, and I think conversely it ultimately cost him his job. Well, I will say this for the 49ers, where Chip Kelly is now the head coach of, he's predicted to be the bottom of the barrel. The team is supposed to be the, 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 the losing this team this year. Yeah. No, wait a minute. He's a great coach, and he's on the line. <laughs> no, no, no. I said he, I said he, could, he, he may be a decent coach. I don't, by no means did I ever think that Chip Kelly was a great coach. I don't think he um, is as horrible as is uh he may have seemed in in Philadelphia this past year but i also think that chip kelly is very smart because he took a job with the 49ers who no one expects anything from so if he has a bad season in san francisco with all the controversy surrounding kaepernick and and everything else who's going to say that that's on chip kelly um, hey, hold you on. inherited hold on. huh okay i'm sorry I mean, chris, yeah, hold on chris okay uh, hold on um, yes, uh, Mr. John Elway, right there, I'd like to make a reservation. Yes, I'll be having lunch free. Okay, for three. Yeah, Wayne and his finished car. Okay, I'm back, Wayne. I'm sorry. You better have your credit card on file with wherever we eat right now. We got to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to send an order to give you a reservation, Chris. That's right. Take the reservation right now. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're hooked up with loving that sports talk. 
James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is John Elway Restaurant. I mean, this is Jack Lovett. My co-host, Chris, and uh, the guy that's paying is Wayne. Wayne, are you there? Oh, you know, and we must be looking at that schedule different because I'm looking at the Eagles' schedule now. I may give them a fighting chance versus uh, Cleveland, first game of the mm-hmm. season. And Bears. And, but then, so, so you go and you have to play at Chicago, though. Which but that, I'm sorry, if, but the Bears, said, I, I think they're going to beat, beat the Bears. Okay, so we, we'll give them two there. Okay. Pittsburgh beats them by 30. Detroit beats them by 20. Redskins probably only four. beat them by 21. Uh, I, uh, I better back that up on the Redskins. What? No. Okay. And then the Cowboys, I, I, think, I think they're going to beat the Cowboys twice. Okay. I think they got they're a good shot against uh, Cincinnati. No and way. And I do think they're going to beat the Giants at least one, one of those games. They won't win the Detroit. You know what? I, I, think, I think you're right, though, because some of those games can go either way. And so, you know, you may, like I said, you may get one versus the Giants. You may get one versus Dallas. You may get one versus Cleveland. Um, and possibly that first game against Cleveland, even though I think Cleveland is going to be a lot better than anybody gives them credit for. Cincinnati. Those teams out of that AFC North division are going to kill Philadelphia. Uh, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, um, with the exception of Cleveland, the Redskins are going to smoke Philadelphia like they did last year. Um, mm, okay. you, you, you have a roster that's pretty much the same with the Redskins, and you have Philadelphia's roster, which has been decimated. Ooh, hold on. Um, man, they got to call you. They need to... Um... I will call in every week with an update mm-hmm. of Philadelphia's schedule. And so once we are in, you know, deep enough to in the season where there is no way possible that they can win eight games, um, we need to start making reservations. All right. For, for me, it's a win-win situation, so go That's for right. it. We're going. Chris, they got we going. But anyway... Wait a minute, um, before Chris asks another question, I was asking, before we get back to the NFL, I want to jump to something real quick, you know. Uh, Wyoming played, and all I've been hearing, you know, all they're great now, and all, all they're going to be, you know. Uh, what do you think? Uh, did you see the game, and what do you think? You look like, you know, I just heard they just, you know, playing different now. What do you think? Yeah, I think they are, at least, you know, and it's really college is and, and and it's been quoted that the biggest um, improvement that you'll see in any sport is college football between week one and week two. And so I don't put too much stock in how bad a Tennessee was the first week or how good some other teams appeared the first week. I, I think Philadelphia or Philadelphia Tennessee is a very good football team, and 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 though they probably should have lost to Appalachian State. Um, you won't see that going forward, at least not very much with Tennessee. Conversely, with Wyoming, I think Wyoming um, attitude-wise is what I've been looking forward to seeing the past few years. They, they were definitely very animated. They were excited. They wanted to be there. They were on national.
national TV, and they played like it. And so I think if they continue to play with that enthusiasm, if they continue to play with that passion, they do have potential for a very good season. Now, in terms of X's and O's, if anyone actually watched that game, Northern Illinois did themselves in with the the, the number of penalties that they created um, that kept drives going for Wyoming. Wyoming's defense didn't play very well. Uh, they gave up a lot of points. So defensively, Wyoming didn't look any different than they have in the past. Offensively, and in terms of their attitude and enthusiasm, those were the biggest differences that I saw. They played with a lot of pace. They played with a lot of energy. And hopefully that continues on throughout the rest of the season. All right. And yes, I, yes, I was there in the in the in the rain and, and two hour weather two hour delay. delay. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the triple overtime. You know, yeah, that part was that part was great. And 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 you know, when I look back, that's definitely one of the things that I'll I'll look look finally on saying that I was I was at that game. Um, you definitely don't want to go cheer for your team and go to triple overtime and and have to make that drive back to Cheyenne after being there. I mean, we left the stadium at 2.50 um, mm-hmm. to get home. So if you're going to be a part of that game, you definitely want to be on the winning side of it. Correct. Correct. Okay, so you know, we, were, we were talking a little bit ago before we got you know, swayed about Eagles and what's going on. We were talking about some of the rookie quarterbacks. Um, so let's, let's come back to that. And the L.A. Rams, you know, they, apparently they just recently made Jarrett Goff inactive. Um, do you think the injury he had in the preseason is worse worse than they said? You know, and the the Rams are claiming that they're they're easing him in this way. Uh, yeah, and I don't honestly, I don't think that um, it it has much to do with the injury, just more to do with how poorly he performed. I saw him playing one preseason game versus the Chiefs, and it was, I think, his first <clears throat> his first snap. Uh, he fumbled. Um, his second, I mean, I don't even think he completed 20 or 30% of his passes when he wasn't there. I think that they have two other quarterbacks on the roster that can kind of ease him into that transition, um, and, and they feel that's probably his best route. And, and in terms of confidence, I'm sure for him, that's probably the best thing to do. Go ahead, um, let uh, let the team get used to you, acclimate yourself into the NFL and eventually he will be uh, the starter for that team. Well, yeah, look at too, though. They got that running back, too. And I think that's what these teams do with the young quarterback. They got to just run the ball. You agree with that? Well, they, and they have, a, they have a pretty decent defense in L.A. They, they have Todd Gurley at running yeah. back. Um, but they do have Tavon Austin and some other receivers on that team. And so you're not in a situation, and I'm not, I'm not making fun of the Eagles, but you, you are in a situation that even though the Rams, and they play in a tough division with Arizona and with Seattle, the Rams aren't going to make the Super Bowl this year, but the Rams can be competitive this year. And therefore, I think using one of the other quarterbacks is probably your best bet going forward. Now, if Philadelphia does turn out to have a good season and, and, and shocks the world, more power to them. But Philadelphia has pretty much resigned itself to the fact that at least for this year, they are rebuilding. And so if you're going to be in a rebuilding mode anyway, go ahead and start your rookie quarterback and let him get some experience. Um, and, and, and I think that's how the two teams are playing it. So, yeah, Raymond, uh, could you repeat what you said about the L.A. defense? Um, the L.A. defense, 
has has been a pretty good um, defense. They had that's Aaron it. Donald. See, see, I was trying trying to tell James that that's who I have on my fantasy football league for my yeah. defense, yeah. and I was telling him that they were they have a pretty good defense. So thank you for reaffirming that, that with me. Yeah, they they got Janoris Jenkins at corner. They got Aaron Donald, who is um, the rookie of the year on defense, and 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 outperformed Sue on the defensive line in, in terms of uh, quality starts. I mean, L.A. has a really good defense, um, and, and so you don't want to squander that by just throwing a rookie into the fire. Um, so you go ahead and, and use the quarterbacks you have on your roster. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, thank you. All right, so the the next quarterback I want to talk about is Trevor Simeon. You've kind of danced around a little bit with the Broncos quarterback and kind of what he's going to do on Thursday and so forth, but you know, he's never taken a snap in the NFL, and he's facing the Carolina Panthers tomorrow night, which we've talked about, but how do you, how do you think he's going, to, he's going to handle it this year? You know what, I, I think he is going to perform similar to um, Osweiler did when he was with the Broncos. I don't think there's very much upside uh, to Simeon. I wouldn't have Simeon on my fantasy team because – Simeon is going to he's going to hand the ball off. He's going to throw short passes, um, which leaves very little room for mistakes, but it also leaves very little room for him throwing 50-yard touchdowns. And I think that's how the Broncos um, are going to play it in, in that system. I, I don't think that he's uh, going to be a very high-risk, high-reward player. And I, I don't really see there being much upside. I think eventually depending on how things go, and I'm sure he knows this in the back of his mind too, but I think depending on how the season turns out or starts out, you very well may see Paxton Lynch uh, a quarter of the way through the season for the Broncos. What makes him better than Simeon on Lynch? I don't think they were open. I think think what makes him him different is um, his ability to run when, when plays break down, which you need. Um, from a quarterback in that system, um, and, and I think that was the difference between us. Well, you're not going to play him because he doesn't know the system yet. Um, so once he once once he's had an opportunity to study defenses, to be in that film room for four weeks, five weeks, um, and and continue to get that practice time under his belt, where he's continuing to learn the Bronco system, then you play him. I think his legs add a component that Simeon doesn't have, and also. You know his his arm is supposed to be one of the best in the NFL, so he offers that upside there as well. He has a cannon for an arm. You have Pro Bowl receivers on the outside for the Broncos, who and I'm not going to say they're just going to be underutilized, but they're not going to be utilized like they say Peyton's first season there. What those receivers were doing compared to what they were doing last year, um, or even compared to what they did to, in the Super Bowl, you need a strong arm quarterback to get the ball to Demarius Thomas in the cold of Denver in November and December, and Simeon's not going to do that. Well, didn't I hear Chris say that Simeon's been through a pass ever in a game, right, Chris? Correct. He's never, he's never taken a snap. So what's the difference for him and Lynch? Lynch don't, you know? So, well, he's been, in, you know? he's been in the system. He's been in the system for a year. I'm not saying that Simeon's a better quarterback than Lynch, but the Broncos, since they're going to play behind that defense anyway, they figure they have some time to acclimate Lynch to that system before they throw him into the fire. And that's why I said I think a quarter way through the season, do I think that Simeon's going to be the starter for the Broncos at the end of the season? No, I don't. I think it's definitely going to be Pax and Lynch, um, especially if the season doesn't turn out how they want it to because 
there's no reason then not to get your rookie in the game. Um, get him that. There, there's nothing in the NFL that, that's better than actual experience in a game. And, and neither one of them have any experience, but at least Simeon has some experience in that system. We t- you know, I talked earlier about people being used to how you catch footballs and whatnot. So he has some, he has some um, built-up experience with those receivers and throwing them balls, and, and, and they're used to him and the cadence and all those different nuances. Simeon, that's what he has over Lynch at this point in time. Um, and until, you know, there, there's no gap there, then I think he continues to be the quarterback. So the last one I want to talk about is Dak Prescott for the Cowboys. You know, he's going to be starting the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys Sunday against the, the Giants. Will he be able to take control of the offense to beat the Giants? That is a, a, a great unknown, but... You know, just going from the small sample size that that we've seen, the the, the one thing that he is willing to do is get the ball um, out to Dez. And and if you're a young quarterback in the NFL, I couldn't think of a better situation than that. When when in doubt, at least you know he's willing to take a chance and throw it up um, to his all-world receiver. And and I think a lot of times these these young quarterbacks not wanting to make a mistake, not wanting to throw in the coverage. Um, to make a mistake, he has shown that he's willing to to give his receiver a chance. And so I think of of all the young rookie quarterbacks with the offensive line in front of the Cowboys, with Ezekiel Elliott behind him, um, I I think he potentially has the opportunity to do the best because you don't have to worry about him getting hurt. Well, anybody can get hurt. Obviously, Romo got hurt, but it was on a scramble. He has the best offensive line, hands down, in the NFL. He has one of the better running backs or, or young rookie running backs. He has one of the best receivers. And so I think he's in an ideal position. Uh, and I, I think he has, a con- he has confidence enough to take the chances that he needs to take in the NFL to be successful. If Romo's smart, Romo's done. I mean... You know, you talk about quality. You talk about quality of life and and being able to run on the beach and spend those millions with your kids and with your family and take them on vacation. Um, or you're talking about potentially uh, your life being shortened and 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 being in a wheelchair or something else. If Romo can come back from this surgery and be a functional adult, I walk away. There's there's no point. There's no point in it. I mean, what are you what are you out there to prove? Um, you might be, you know, go down in history as one of the great never-was quarterbacks, but I'd rather be that than go out on a stretcher or, or go out like, um, what's his name, uh, Joe Namath, who can't walk, um, or, or any of those people whose, whose, whose quality of life has been affected to the point where you really can't function as an adult. I'd, I'd much rather Romo, as much as I hate the Cowboys, I'd, I'd much rather Romo go out and be functional than continue to play um, for some mythical, you know, championship that he never achieves and, and, and ruins himself. Well, we got to end the show. But, um, Chris, I just made the reservation of John Elway. So. Perfect, yeah, perfect. Let me know when and Please where. Make it. When and what time. Please make it. I am going to be calling in every week, if nothing else, <laughs> just to update the Eagles' schedule. 0-1, 0-2, 0-4, 
And when we get to a point where they can't win eight games, we're going to make those reservations. Perfect. Yeah, thanks a lot, Lena. <laughs> Thank you. Good show, Lena. Thank you, Paul. You guys take care. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com.